Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Friend Code. I'm your host, Michael Damiani. This week, I'm joined by Matt Simmons of Yo Video Games. How's it going? Hey, everybody. And uh, Stealth, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you all? Um, pretty excited to have the two of you on to talk about something we have been eagerly anticipating for some time now. Um, I want, yeah, like. The trailer's out there. Xenoblade Chronicles 3, it's confirmed. That is the next game coming from Monolith Soft. Yeah, just your reactions to that trailer, what you saw in it. Were you were you pleased with it? Are you pleased it's 3? Yeah, what are your general feelings right now about the this this new announcement? Oh, did you go first, stuff? <laughs> yeah, I guess I can go first. Um, you know, it's funny. When I watched a lot of the reactions to the trailer, at the very beginning, a lot of people thought that it was a Fire Emblem game. Um, and then as soon as the British voice acting hit <laughs> and then we saw some of the, you know, army members running across, it, it became obvious what we were looking at. And once I calmed down and stopped screaming, um, you know, and I really took a look at the trailer, um, it was everything I hoped it would be, um, you know, a combination of, you know, everything that we've built up to really the huge environments, the music, um, and of course, you know, the release date being as soon as it is, um, you know, the trailer was a 10 out of 10 for me. Nice. Yeah, I, I was that guy because it wasn't that like, oh, I was convinced. It was just kind of like I didn't, because I wanted it really, really badly for so long. And when I first saw it, I was like, I don't want to like immediately jump to the conclusion. Like, I don't want to be that guy where it's just like, uh, like there's a really funny moment we had a long time ago during the Game Awards you know, at Yo! Video Games and um, Marvel characters showed up in a slightly cel-shaded style. And, you know, uh, Steve from, from Yo! Video Games got really excited because he was he was saying that this was way, way, way back, you know, in, I think, 2017, I think, late December 2017. And he was like, Marvel Infinite's not dead. And so he saw these Marvel characters in a slightly cel-shaded style. And he was just like, I told you all, I told you all, there's definitely going to be more characters coming from Marvel. And it was for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. <laughs> so, so, like, like he got like I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to get bait and switched you know I didn't want to get my like super hope so so weirdly enough I was like oh no is this is this Fire Emblem is it in like I kind of had that immediate thought and then I thought it, almost weirdly for a half second I was looking at the uniform Noah's playing at the very beginning and I'm like that looks like Trials of Cold Steel almost like a slightly a bit with the uniform he had and then I'm like wait a trial are they bringing like you know because there's there's the one that came out recently in japan like kuro no kiseki or whatever um and i'm like no they're not it. and then it like it quickly hit me like of course they're not gonna that's not their final thing like a you know a third party you know port like of course not um <laughs> it's interesting because so stealth thought maybe fire Emblem. you thought maybe Tales of Cold steel and then i thought it was maybe an atlas thing at first like, yeah, i was yeah, like oh yeah. wait is this like, that's why atlas was been tweeting about this i was <laughs> like oh okay i was like dlc yeah. maybe or i don't know you, you bring up a good point because i because atlas did sort of tweet like hey we're check in make sure to watch and i don't remember anything atlas in the show in the direct no. actually um and then yeah like that's actually a good point because didn't they have like a like a fantasy RPG project that just sort of like vanished into the ether at Atlas. I yeah, they do. Whatever. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't imagining. <laughs> like it's uh, been so long since I heard anything. I think, I think Yoko Taro in a joke was the last time I even heard it brought up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, before we get into the specifics of this trailer um, and discussion about the third game, I'm giving all our viewers, all our listeners a big warning right now. Spoilers for any game that has the word Zeno in the title 
are fair game for this podcast episode. So if you don't want to have anything for Xenogears, Xenoblade games, Xenosaga, you just need to come back at a later date. <laughs> because to allow Stealth and Simmons to have you know the full breadth of this discussion and not be hamstrung, uh, I need to allow them to be able to talk about whatever they need to talk about for this. So that's your warning. From this point on, you will probably get a spoiler for at least Xenoblade 1 and 2 at the very least in this discussion. So uh, and a lot of gears. Yeah. A lot of gear. I'm just I'm just gonna point that out there. Like there's a lot of gear spoiler talk that can go into this. <laughs> yeah. And so like, if if you're like, hey, I want to jump in at the very beginning, I don't want anything spoiled for Xeno Gears. I'm just gonna tell you right now, there's a lot of gears talk that, that I could probably bring up. <laughs> All right. So there's your fair warning. Uh, I'm going to let this discussion be guided by the patrons because the patrons submitted a lot of great questions, pretty much covering all the topics I can think of. So we're going to start with uh, our first question from Swordfish. Uh, with the announcement and the release date of Xenoblade Chronicles 3, do you think anyone can jump right into this game having never played the first two games? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll start. Um, I, I think you can, but will you get the most out of it? No. Um, you know, obviously they're they're going to make an RPG that can be played by by anyone. But to get the most out of it, you're going to want to play and have beaten Xenoblade Chronicles one to probably Torna. Um, you know, and it is a big time commitment. So this is definitely not the the the, the, the kind of sequel that um, you know is far removed from the games that came before it. Um, you're going to want to play the originals. Yeah, Takahashi said in his his statement that you know he's making the game you know for both you know people who have or haven't. I think the best way to look at this is like you can look at this like an Avengers film. Um, you probably don't need to have seen you know all the all the Marvel movies in whatever phase leading up to whatever Avengers movie you know you, you know, phase one two three or whatever right. And uh, frankly, I didn't see I I never I still didn't see all the Avengers or I'm sorry all the Marvel films. I did not watch every single mcu film i didn't do it even when it led up to infinity war and endgame and i still enjoyed infinity war and endgame so i think it's definitely kind of in that sort of same vein of like okay you're probably going to be able to enjoy this you know pretty well without having played one too but you are going to be missing out on a lot of um i want to say i don't want to say context but like impact I think impact. I think the impact will be greater if you have the the knowledge of one and two going into it. Um, and, and there's a lot of that just in the trailer. We're like a good example would be like the, the not the opening shot, but the second shot. You know, after you know the flute, and then it pans to the army running. That's like a very much direct reference to the very opening cutscene of Xenoblade One. And you can look at it as someone who knows nothing like, wow, whoa, this looks crazy and cool. Like, you know, a weird sci-fi, you know, war going on. And, and it's still exciting and interesting. But if you played Xenoblade 1 and you know, you've even seen the first cuts in there, you're like, whoa, what a, this is a direct callback. So it's like, it kind of like, you get a little bit more impact out of just that one tiny little thing. I think that's kind of like probably how the rest of the game is going to go. Uh, I do want to say though, if you're interested in, in playing the games, they are big games. They are big commitments. If you if you do get the 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 Torna DLC for for two, which there's only one thing there's there's one thing of DLC for Xenoblade two. There's no like piecemeal or this or that or anything. You just buy one thing and it gets you everything. It gets you all the all of Torna and all the goodies that go into Xenoblade two. 
and you get oh, you get a really cool customization slider for the difficulty. And then Xenoblade Definitive Edition has a casual mode. And they really like, you know, you can actually really like downplay like the difficulty on those games. And if you just want to kind of like enjoy them and run through them in a quick breezy fashion, both Definitive Edition and the DLC for Xenoblade 2 offer that ability to really just kind of like, you can really kind of like breeze through the games. I mean, you're still going to deal with like 10 to 13 hours of cutscenes in each, but uh, you can, there, there are things built into one and two to get you up to speed. You know, if you don't want to like, oh, I don't have the time to commit to like, you know, grinding it out and leveling up. Don't worry. Don't worry. There are, there are, there are some really great difficulty options uh, especially with two's DLC and casual mode and definitive where you can really just breeze right through them. Um, we have no idea. We have no idea what, if anything about X will be important. My guess is probably not that important. There'll probably be some really obscure Easter egg stuff. Who knows? Um, but you could probably get away with ignoring X, you know, if you're worried about, you know, having the full, you know, Xenoblade, you know, a, a library in your, in your brain going into three. So let me ask you both this. Um, I start with stealth. Do you think they might include some kind of like recap at the beginning of Xenoblade three, if they're going to lean so heavily into this being a follow-up? You know, I think they should. And, you know, speaking of, um, you know, the legend heroes trail series, um, you know, switch owners, you know, and, 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 and NIS America started with three, four, um, Switch, which left out big chunks of content from one and two, which were PlayStation exclusive. So what they did was they basically added like an encyclopedia. This is where the story is now to kind of catch people up. Not perfect by by any means because it's like you're starting, you know, at page 500 of a thousand page book. You're going to be a little lost. Um, but, you know, I think it would be a good idea to have an encyclopedia. And if I'm not mistaken, I think um, Xenosaga three had an, had an, an encyclopedia of sorts, um, of, you know, terms and, and, and things like that and themes. So, um, yeah, I think, th I think it's a good idea if they do it. Um, I think they should, especially because there's going to be a lot of people who aren't gonna, you know, come into the game with 500 hours of experience, you know, of the series, they're gonna need a refresher and they or they haven't replayed the game, you know, they haven't replayed two since, 2017 and you know they haven't played xenoblade since you know the wii they might not have gotten definitive edition so you know i think just to make sure we're all on an even playing field um it, it would be a good idea to have just an encyclopedia of characters and terms and things like that it wouldn't be unprecedented either for monolith soft because when xenosaga 2 released there was a movie a recap dvd movie of xenosaga 1 to catch people up to speed for two, even though two sold way less than one. And in Europe, only Xenosaga 2 was the only game that came out in, in, in Europe. Um, and then, of course, with the same thing with three. But three is an interesting story for Xenosaga. So the development of Xenosaga is really, like, troublesome. And the technical story in Xenosaga 3 is based more off of the Nintendo DS version of Xenosaga 1 and 2 which never got translated or localized. So it was almost necessary to have like an extra encyclopedia in Xenosaga 3, since like it was technically following up the DS version and the story changes from there going into Xenosaga 3. So it wouldn't be unprecedented for them to do that. And I kind of wonder, it's actually a little bit of a 
kind of a bold new world because um, we're in spoiler mode, I guess, whatever. Uh, there was no, in fact, there were straight up lies about Xenosaga, or sorry, Xenoblade 2 being connected to 1. <laughs> he famously at E3 was just like, you know, this is not connected to the first game. It's a different universe. And I'm like, okay, you may be technically right, but you're still lying. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that was actually kind of, it was, it was fun, but you didn't learn that until like, you know, the 11th hour. Um, so it wasn't necessarily important. It was just sort of like, oh, cool. Um, here's an explanation um, that sort of ties it into part one. But this is like from the get-go, it's like, no, no, this is the follow-up to one and two. So this, this is not like, hey, it's the whole game. You know, and then at the end, we have some weird, crazy revelation that teases you that, that hey, it's connected in some way. Um, it, I want to say maybe if they don't have it in game, I almost could see Nintendo making like a website, like a, like a little encyclopedia, a little their own little official wiki, you know, for one and two Ooh. to catch you up to speed. I almost can see that happening. Be um, part of the the special edition. Maybe like a bonus pre-order for for people like I, that. like a nice like recap movie or something. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm really curious if they're going to offer a special edition that has all three games. I'm really curious if they're going to do that because I think like they could. Set. Well, what would you want yeah. that packaging to be? I think you have something in mind of what that packaging would be because there's something with three in that series that oh, it could look like the Trinity processor or it could look like the it could look like the Zohar slash conduit. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine it would probably if 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 the conduit does show up again in three, which would be a that's a big lore question. But like, uh, yeah, it, it, it's very interesting because I could see them going probably with a Zohar, like a big Zohar you open it up and has like all three games in it in some way or fashion. So um, it, it's interesting though, because like all the special editions for every territory have all been like different, different packaging wise. And sometimes a lot of times just different content, like slight variations. So I, I'm actually very curious to see, because I assume there will be a special edition. I think that's kind of like goes without saying, but yeah. I'm curious if there's going to be a big box edition that has, you know, has all the games um, and I actually think that would be a very, I mean, this, this is more of a financial thing, but it's like, I think that'd be very smart on Nintendo's part to do that. Um, because it's like, you, you could sell it and you can sell it for a lot of money. You can sell 150, 200 bucks or whatever, and people will pay it. <laughs> you can charge whatever you want, you know, to go Jurassic Park quoting, but like, uh, yeah, like I, I think it would be very smart to do that. Cause now that it, now that the whole world's aware that they're connected, um, it would kind of be like a really cool thing if they just like, here's everything you, you don't have to, you don't have to download this or, and, and then download that, or you don't have to like go and like, you know, make a, you know, fill up your shopping cart on the e-shop or whatever. It's just like, here's just one, here's an all in one bundle. Um, I think it would do, I think it would do, it would do them. Uh, I think it would do well for them. And I think it would be good for the overall series, you know, just recognition wise. So. Yeah. At the very least do like a huge discount on the e-shop for, you know, everything yeah. you know make it enticing yeah. yeah it's hard to say because nintendo never lowers their price on anything you know like eh, they do sales <laughs> but like you, or you mean like maybe a permanent price slash or a temporary one for the the period of the release window stealth yeah i mean they, they, they don't discount xenoblade games often like they do discount during black friday and pretty much the whole you know q4 um but it's usually never the xeno games um 
but yeah, I'm just talking about like a like a proper Zeno promotion to get people excited about the new games, um, kind of thing. Just just those two games. They yeah. still offer the voucher program in Japan, and in fact, one of the voice actors, I think, for either I think it was Uni's uh, voice actress, the Japanese one, or maybe Senna's voice actress. She used. She recently tweeted how she used the voucher system to buy one and two. So you can still buy in Japan. You can actually still get those Nintendo voucher tickets, and you can buy Xenoblade one and two for a hundred bucks. So maybe um, do like a Xenoblade voucher here, like I mean, bring it is, yeah, like a specifically I, I, just for that. Like if you 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 buy like Xenoblade three, you get one and two or something. If you pay like this, you know, like yeah, the, I, yeah. I don't know. I think I think over the summer, like if they did that in June or July or something, and just like, hey, we're offering a Xenoblade voucher. You know, get one and two for ninety nine ninety nine. It's not a lot off, but it's a no, it's a little bit off. It's twenty bucks, yeah. you know. So and doing it that far in advance, you know, to the lead up would be like the right time to do it and have it just through the release window. I think that would be smart. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, um, it's kind of a transition. Next question, but one thing that could be in the the deluxe edition could be the the, the flute that we see so prominently in the trailer. And this question mm-hmm. comes from Tommy about the flute. With lutes being a major factor in the story, do you think there'll be a rhythm mini game or maybe even a rhythm element to combat? Or just how is the flute going to play into a mechanic in this game? Or do you think it's just going to be strictly a story element? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. I mean, the flute is basically part of the jobs of the two main characters on, on the opposing factions. Um, and we see it a lot in the, in the trailer and how it's used in kind of like a Final Fantasy X kind of, you know, way where they're honoring the dead. Um, you know, in terms of the battle system, Monolith Soft does tend to change things up, you know, from like series to series a little bit. So, like, I, I don't think it's going to be exactly like one and two. And, yeah, I mean, I could see them kind of bringing in, you know, rhythm timed elements not 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 like paper mario per se but something with you know time button presses um like in rhythm i could definitely see that sure yeah yes i mean do you think there'll be any kind of rhythm element to the gameplay no (laughs) okay here's why here's why um they are very big on their story and, and 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 i imagine like let's let's pretend it's like it's like zelda style right you have a flute and you have like you can play the flute yourself like I can't imagine Monolith Soft or others being like, okay, it's it's a serious cutscene. You're supposed to play the flute for you know to honor the fallen, and someone sits there and plays like the Beverly Hills Cop theme or the Simpsons theme, you know, or something like that. Instead of actually doing what they're supposed to in the cutscene. Um, also, a lot of this music was live was was recorded on real instruments, so they're not a, a, just a ton, ton of the music in the game was done by you know, a, a professional flute and, and pianist, uh, haha, get it out of your system now. Uh, <laughs> it's like, um, a Tokyo, Tokyo Philharmonic Orchestra, a Nunya Irish choir, Bratislava symphony choir, like a lot of like real live instrumentation was gone into this. So I almost can't imagine. I, I just see that and think, okay, well, it's not like, it's not MIDI software based or, or kind of like, you know, how, you know, the, the older Zelda titles were done. Um, so I almost kind of, I just tougher to manipulate like real time. You're saying like, if it was like, yeah, okay. In, I think if it does exist, it will be in the battle system and they haven't shown anything on the battle system, which leads me to think that maybe there, there's something there 
to it there. I could see rhythm being part of the battle system, absolutely. Um, but as far as like say cutscenes or like an added gameplay element, I kind of don't because they've been very particular about going after like you know the spared no expense you know uh, aspect of, of of the music for this game and you know a lot of a lot of it if what looks like a lot of its budget and allocation went into getting real life instruments big performers like you know professional players so i kind of don't i don't think there's going to be like say like a flute mechanic where you sit there and you know you know let me play the song of my people element to the game i could be wrong i could be 100 percent wrong on that sure um it's a good argument it's a good I, argument I, I, I'm just kind of thinking over the fact that I'm like I, they brought there's so much of it that's live instrumentation that I'm just kind of like I kind of think they're they're going to want to just keep it very much like a a sort of more guided, you know, experience, you know, when it comes to musical stuff like that. But it is an interesting question. It does raise some interesting possibilities, especially for Yeah, I just want to say I don't think it's going to be like Zelda you know, so, yeah, with, with being able to just play songs and, and and do things like that, or having a quick time event where you have to play something very quickly. Yeah, if, if it's gonna happen, it's, it's gonna be in the battle system. If if there's anything, but even then, like there might not be music associated with it. You might just see like Noah, like with, with the flute to his mouth, and you're just putting something in. And there might not be like an, an, a musical accompaniment kind of. Yeah. Thing. So l- let me ask you both this. Uh, Stealthy could start with the ans- the first answer here. Uh, it comes from uh, patron Alex because you kept both of you kept mentioning possibly the battle system. So let's just go to the battle system right now. Uh, what do you think the combat will be like in Xenoblade Chronicles Three? Uh, will it be more or less complicated than Two's battle system? Uh, and do you think the series could benefit from a more streamlined battle system? And they gave Final Fantasy Remake's battle system as an example of being more streamlined. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be less complicated. It might just be different um, in, in, in what they, in, in, you know, the meters and the kinds of things that they do. Um, you know, uh, I, I like Xenoblade Chronicle 2's battle system more than the first. I don't know if that's like an unpopular opinion. Um, you know, I like the complexity it had and, you know, building up to the chain combos. I, I found that all very satisfying. Um so I hope they keep some of that, but like we haven't seen anything on the battle system yet. So I don't want to spe- speculate and then be completely wrong. Um, but, but, you know, the, the thing is, is, you know, we have characters, we, we have, we have like races and beings from both games in this game. Um, so, it, you know, a theory that I've seen, you know, people float are, you know, is the one faction going to have the gameplay like the first game and the second faction is going to have the gameplay like the second game? Um, you know, and then eventually is it going to be something completely different? You know, I've seen all kinds of theories like that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be less complicated. That doesn't seem to be Monolith Soft style. Yeah, I think if you go from a, a, a sort of like a, like release order timeline, like from, from Xenoblade 1 X to... It, it 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 got more complicated. They didn't get less. Torna was actually a little bit different, where it, it kind of scaled back a little bit because you know Torna is a a smaller project. You know you don't have the blade system in Torna, so like you're kind of you're you're stuck with who you got kind of thing. Um, interestingly enough, they kind of hinted at a little bit some some vague what could be in the battle system in the Japanese Twitter, the official Xenoblade Japanese Twitter, where they kind of talked about certain characters battle prowess a bit and it, it's kind of interesting how like like mio is, is like a 
weirdly enough like sort of a tank or or an aggro drawer they they kind of said in the twitter so it's kind of interesting like what they're saying doesn't really point towards anything in particular but it does kind of seem like oh they were kind of getting a little tiny bit more detail oriented on on their roles and battles and stuff so and some of it you can just kind of tell like like lands the 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 machina soldier um with the he has the sword the big giant sword and the he has the shield thing he uses in the trailer stuff like that um so we kind of got a little bit hinted that i i think if you want to try to look at it as promise you seven remake that's a bit apples to oranges because to me seven remake is just a real-time combat uh, and xenoblade is not real-time combat it, it happens on field but it's not real-time combat in any it's still it's still like that mmo light style of thing um yeah. And sorry, the one thing I also wanted to mention, and the one change we see from going from Xenoblade 2 to 3, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 had three characters in your party. It looks like in 3 we have four characters in, in, the, in the party at one time. So that could also, you know, change, you know, how battles yeah. go. Yeah, which X had four characters. You could have four characters in a party in X. Um, so yeah, it's interesting how, like, we don't really don't know. I feel like they're hiding something a bit with the combat this because there was just specifically nothing about it in the trailer whatsoever so i feel like they're they're intentionally holding it back because there's something about it that's going to be different um i think the only thing they really should do though is there's something they, they they did fix with torna was to have an encyclop like a like a sort of encyclopedia a callback to instructions because they tell you how to do how things work once mm -hmm. in xenoblade 2 and then it is gone mm -hmm. um yeah. <laughs> now if i feel like if you understand because here like one of the biggest misconceptions about two is that like oh it's a gotcha game you need to have good no you don't um you you can dominate that game with the characters you're given just what you know just the characters you get automatically uh you can dominate the game really hard with with like you know the the, the jobber you know class pulls that you get like people have taken out like the 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 biggest enemy in the entire game in under two minutes with, with two characters. <laughs> like they didn't even have a full party. Um, they just showed you, Hey, you know, this, like how you manipulate it, but it is complex. That's kind of its problem is that um, it, it's, it's a little, it's, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a, you know, wrestling a bear a bit to try to figure out how all the mechanics in two work. And they only tell you it once. Um, so, you know, YouTube becomes your best friend when it comes yeah. to instructions. Yep. Um, on how will, to figure out what what you should be I doing. I will say two. that that was that was my problem with two. I yeah. just for whatever reason did not click with me, and it was gone. And uh, and no, hopefully they like, learned that lesson. It sounds like you know whether or not they keep it as complex, it's different. I hope they learned that lesson because having to go outside of the game to learn how to display the basics was the lowest point for me in that game. But otherwise, once I got over that hurdle and it clicked, I'm like, yeah. man, I. If you just gotten me this point in game, like I would have had a much better time in the start. So it just yeah, kind of soured it, me it, a little it's bit. It's one of it's one of those things where it's like when you know how the battle system, what you're supposed to be doing in Xenoblade mm. Two, you do not like going back to one. Like Definitive Edition was kind of a revelation <laughs> of like how kind of like stale the battle system is in one compared to two. Once you know, I, I still what enjoy you're doing. one. Like one I like, is just, I like positional stuff. Like a, one, a lot one of is one. one is a race to DPS. That's all it is. It's I, just a race that's to DPS. The, I kind of like that just stuff. Race so. to that. <laughs> do, do the chain attack and just do reds. Just 
it's 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 actually to me it's like it's kind of boring just because it's a lot of just a lot of waiting on cooldowns and stuff and then then there's even tricks in two where it's just like if you keep flicking up with with rex like he'll he'll actually build meter super fast so there's like all these little like tricks to like super like supercharge your your meter build for super moves and or just you know for arts and one or i'm sorry in two uh there's, there's a lot of complexity to it but like yeah man going back to definitive it was just kind of like gosh you know it's it's not bad but like it's very much just sort of, you know, just a, it's a DPS race. That's all it is. Like, there's, I really miss the orbs because, like, to me, twos, the way to I simplify two's battle system is it's like building a Jenga tower so you can kick it over, you know, because you build up these elemental orbs, you know, by doing these, these combos, which end in a certain element. So you get all these different elements up there. Then you do a chain attack. And when you do the chain attack, you're, you have this extra thing you're trying to do, which is break the elemental orbs. And then you do that and you get like, you know, 9 million damage on it. It's just like, yes. Like it has like this really satisfying, like I'm building everything up. I'm putting all this stuff on the enemy. So then I can initiate my super attack and break all of it and just cause massive damage multipliers on the enemy. It's, it's really fun. I, I, it's really enjoyable once you know what you're doing, but like, I'm, I, there's no defense for, for the tutorial too, because again, they, they tell you it once in a text, they, they, they put the text on screen once and then it's gone forever. So, yeah, I mean, it didn't feel like, I think I was like 25 hours in when I felt like I, I got it. Um, and, and it shouldn't take that long to feel like you have a grasp of the battle system, but, but it, no. it's super, but it, like, I can't go back to one. It felt so button mashy to me after you know, going back to the definitive edition, it, it wasn't nearly as satisfying, um, you know, where I think there's a lot more, you know, strategic elements to two, um, in terms of building up, you know, the right elements and making sure that, you know, you're ready to burst at the right time. Um, you know, I, I don't really want to go back to the first one. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of customization in how you want because you build a team up. Like yeah. it's a lot like say Marvel versus Capcom 2, you know, but not as broken, where eh, kind of is as broken, but it's there's all these different teams you can use because you can put all the all the different because all the blades have different weapons and different elements, and that can drastically alter how any you know any given battle can go. And there's so much freedom and customization and two, once you understand it. And one is like, you have the one character and this is their assigned role, which kind of looks like what three is doing a bit. Cause it doesn't look like we have a blade system. We don't know how weapons will work necessarily. It looks like weapons are kind of set to the character um, from all accounts, from what it looks like. So it could be a little bit more like Torna in, in that sense, or maybe even one where it's just kind of like, this is your character, this is their set role, this is this is kind of it. Like, we don't don't necessarily have the crazy customization of two. Oh, oh yeah, let me just ask you this: like, do you think uh, real quick? Do you think you'll be able to change their appearance with gear, like one one style, or do you think they'd say more two? Oh, fashion souling. Well, I mean, just like, you're talking <laughs> about like balances with gear. Like, and no one actually asked this question to the patrons. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts. Like, I like that um, a, a little bit about one because oh, I yeah, do I like that. It. So I hope they do bring it back personally. I think it's gonna be a compromise because uh, in the trailer we actually see multiple different costumes on the characters. So I'm thinking there will be there will be different outfits, but there's not gonna be a lot of different outfits this is kind of the way i'm thinking i'm like they'll kind of they'll, they'll they'll maybe be like you know their 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 battle gear and then maybe sort of like a super casual relax and then like the sort of their normal gear but i'm gonna say probably not because again it kind of goes back to like well they're they're 
there again they're using a guest artist same artist from two uh generally speaking character designer artists especially guest artists don't like it when it's like hey i draw this character up for you and then like the character runs around you know in, in a goofy looking bikini or whatever the whole time um so that's where i'm kind of like well probably not but on the other hand uh again though I, we we do see various outfits worn by some of the characters in the trailer uh uni and and, and noah especially so I'm like, I think there will be, there will be more because like two was like there was kind of like the one, and then they later added DLC with that color swaps, and then they added later added swimsuits, um, and then spoilers like Rex finally gets like an upgraded costume way late in the game, but there's not a lot of, there wasn't really a ton of, there really wasn't any costume changes in two really, but I think three will have some. But, but okay. not like one, not like one. I don't think it's going to have, but I, I could be wrong on that. I, I could be completely wrong on that. But just my, my gut instinct is like, there'll be some, but not, not a ton. Yeah, I think they're going to save the swimsuit DLC until the expansion pass. Uh, that, that sells it um, for some people. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, we do see Noah change costumes once in the trailer. So clearly, and whether that's like story driven or whether you can, buy costumes we don't really know yet but i i do think obviously it's a jrpg there's going to be armor there's going to be weapon upgrades um but whether that shows on the character we don't know a ton yet i think there's going to be some but it's not going to be like this crazy customization thing like maybe tech in his where you can do whatever you want and look, make the characters look crazy um I, I don't think they're going to do that um yeah i think it's going to be a little bit more muted and you know whatever costumes they have will be saved for you know either free or paid dlc which would yeah be that makes one. that probably makes the most sense let me uh, we talked a little bit about the battle system and a little bit about gear here um and this next question from undercover shika uh is about exploration which is one of my personal favorite things in xenoblade games um so <laughs> let me uh, let me start this question with you stealth in what ways do you think xenoblade 3 will evolve exploration in the trailer we see the party travel by boat. Do you think we will be able to use many different vehicles? Many different vehicles? I'm not sure. I think the big question is, will we be able to use mechs? <laughs> yeah. You know, will we be able to fly around and <laughs> battle with them and do crazy things? And I think the answer might be yes. I want it to be yes. Um, where, you know, either the mechs are in gameplay or in travel. Um, you know, I really liked the way Xenoblade and Xenoblade 2 had it where you can find like special areas. Like if you explore enough, you'll find like really like great vistas. Yeah. Um, I like that. And I like where you just explore and then you get check mark, you get landmarks and you can warp to them. I hope all that stuff stays because it worked really well. There's no reason to change it. Um, but yeah, I, I think the fact that we do see a, like a vehicle, um, you know, is kind of hinting and we see mechs in the trailer I think they're going to have a bigger part um, than, you know, they did. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. But um, yeah, in terms of the, the, the exploration, um, you know, I, I liked how Xenoblade 2 had it. Yeah. Um, Takahashi's a big self-proclaimed Gundam fan. And it's been obvious if you've been following him since yeah. Gears. So part of me feels like he always wants to have that. He always wants to go back to that, which is interesting. Cause like one and two don't have any 
you know, mech travel per se. I predicted from the very beginning before this, anything was ever known about this game. I'm like, I think they're going to go back to mechs. I, my prediction is we're going to go back to that. And I still think it might be true. Um, I think the most interesting aspect of it is the fact that when we do see the water gameplay, both the boat and the swimming, it kind of is sort of implies that we're not going to be walking around on top of big Titans that are kind of, you know, very separated from each other. Um, it, it, the big question, I think, if mech travel is in it or not in it, really, I think, depends on how the world map is designed. And is it kind of more like X, where everything is like there's an ocean and then you have land masses on top of it, and it's all just kind of like, you know, a, a spread out surface? Because two did the thing where it's like, okay, there's just loading zones. Like you're on this Titan, you're on that Titan, you're on this Titan. Um, one's more or less the same way. You do have loading zones between the different parts of the Bionis and Mechonis. Um, so yeah, it, I'm going to say probably yes. Cause we do see a lot of giant mechs just kind of laying around. Um, they're called iron Titans, by the way, uh, as the Japanese Twitter has revealed. And, and apparently people live in colonies on these iron Titans and, um, you know, they, they say some of them are for, for building up warfare and some are just for, for producing stuff. So, um, so yeah, they, they actually said there was many, like they, I think they even might've been one of the translations was like dozens. So it's like, it's interesting in a sense that there, there's going to be little mini iron Titans that people kind of live and have colonies on um, throughout the game. And I do think it's eventually going to lead to, Max. I, I I think I think my gut is like eventually at some point there will be. I think depending really depending on how they they you know how they how they divide divvy up the map system. You know, is it more like X where it's one just here's this big giant overworld, you know, or or is it more like one and two with it's just big zones? So um I think I think that's the deciding factor really is is how how they're handling map integration whether or not they'll want to but because if you have a mech you don't want a mech that can't fly <laughs> you, yeah. you know you, you get a mech you want to fly in that mech and if you fly in that mech you're gonna you're definitely gonna be going as high as you can and you know breaking some boundaries as far as like you know world map stuff goes so um yeah that's where i'm kind of like it kind of really depends on how they're going about you know the the design of the world map in general like that'll kind of be our our real tell all whether or not they'll be there, but my gut, I still lean. Yes. <laughs> uh, what it, I think mix will, I just want to, I want to just myself. I do think mix are going to be in here. I also think like possibly like, obviously I don't think it's the only part of combat, but I think there will be mech combat at points in this game as well, mm -hmm. which is something they probably are waiting to see as so you're thinking about flight though. One way they could solve that is this earlier, like other, how other games do it is that you can't fly at first in your mech. It's like a, a thing you get later or like it's a reward. Mm -hmm. Xenoblade games have been about the uh, well, Xenoblade one and to extent two have been about, you need to actually traverse the environments and X as well to unlock checkpoints and warp points. Um, mm -hmm. Sorry, warp points is the correct term. Um, 
before you can do fast travel. So like it could be something as simple as once you've explored an entire region, even if they do like the seamless X kind of map, once you've explored a, a whole type of a portion of a region, you unlock flight in that area. But like if you go to a map part where you haven't explored all of it yet, they're like, no, we want you to actually take in the minutia, like the flora and the fauna of this and really appreciate yeah. the work we put into this world design. Whereas if you have flight at the beginning, people just get like zoom around and like not really appreciate yeah. the world. So that's something I think would be very late game if they're going to do some kind of flight. But I would not be surprised because, I mean, they're showing you a boat um, in here and exploring the ocean. So I think they do have that. And I'm also curious whether or not it's going to be some kind of like um, not uh, like a, a thing that you evolve over time. Not just for like flight, but like I'm thinking to games like uh, Skies of Arcadia or like even like games that have like player housing. Where maybe the vehicle is like your kind of core hub thing where you keep mm. going back to and you can do like certain operations and actions from there. And, you know, maybe you put, like, because in, you know, in one, when we were rebuilding, uh, not Colony, was it Colony 6, sorry, or uh, what was the Colony you rebuild in one? The six and this calling six and nine are the yeah the one that you do all like the quest for and it keeps developing like it could be yeah. something like that yeah like a Terrytown in in Breath of the Wild yeah and X had a base uh, had your barracks and they they did the same thing where like they they gated the 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 mech was first of all just the mech alone was gated to a certain point in the game and then the flight module was like way like you. You had to have been everywhere. Like they did, they did not let you fly in X until you had definitely seen the entire world map. Um, so I, I, I would never, I would never, I would never assume that that if there was going to be playable max flight with flight capabilities, that's definitely going to be late game. Absolutely, hundred um, percent. There will be mechs in the game. The question is whether or not do we get to walk around in them mm -hmm. and control them. That's the real question. Them. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah, we're we're definitely gonna see him. We're definitely gonna fight him. But are we gonna ever gonna jump in one a pilot one? I still lean yes on that. <laughs> All right. The this next question um uh, from Kerbu um is about the future connected uh, uh extra content in uh, definitive edition. Um, they'd love to know what the panel thinks looking back on future connected and how that could tie into Xenoblade Chronicles three. The dimension monsters that made a mess of things in that expansion could maybe hint some big bad, uh, some big bads to come. They want to give us a refresher. Here's what director Takahashi had to say about Future Connected. Future Connected focuses on the character and story of Malia after the events of the main scenario come to a close. So they ask why Malia and not Fiora, Rain, Dunban, Charla, or Ricky. Well, that's because this scenario isn't simply a new story to be told, uh, but a way. Um, but away stone of sorts pointing towards the future. The events that take place and the words spoken by the characters in Future Connected are linked to the future of Xenoblade Chronicles itself. It's our hope that Monolith it's our hope at Monolith that as you experience this new scenario, you'll enjoy dreaming of what sort of future that might be. To all of you who have been with us since the Xenoblade series began, and to those of you starting your journey with us, we hope the possibilities for the future of Xenoblade Chronicles inspire you as you play. So Takashi's words there implying that this was, you know, future character was supposed to be important. So for those who may have played and are still confused, how do you see that linking possibly to to three. Yeah, certainly when they developed Future Connected, Monolith Soft knew that Melia was going to play a big part in Xenoblade Chronicles three. I they they knew that, 
Um, and when I was playing um, Future Connected, you know, Takahashi said, oh, you know, this kind of hints, and it might have been a mistranslation, that it kind of hints at the future of the series. But when you play it, it, it really doesn't. Um, it's really more of a continuation of Xenoblade. And then at the very end, the final boss, you know, the final boss is something completely different. And then they kind of tease, you know, where, where, where that boss came from. Um, you know, it's not really, like, super like wink wink to me like I, I didn't get the connection all that much um but certainly the reason why Melia was chosen I, I think is because like Melia is a main character in Xenoblade 3 um I think we can all say that to be true <laughs> um so that's why they used her rather than Fiora or you know a, a buddy adventure with you know with uh, Shulk and Ryan um you know why why it was Melia specifically um but yeah I like like it doesn't like I don't think Future Connected leads in story wise necessarily. Maybe it does. I just don't see it. But you know the fact that Melly is in it, you know, is kind of speaks for itself. So that quote was in the art book that came with the special edition of the game, which I read before I played Future Connected, and it drove me nuts the whole time playing Future Connect, <laughs> like trying to like hyper analyze everything and. Um, I tweet, I tweeted this out a little like uh, whatever however long ago you know after the reveal. There's a heart to heart because in two they started voicing the heart to hearts and then in Future Connect the heart to hearts are voiced as well. The quiet moments, whatever they're called. Um, the very last one that you unlock is with Melia in Alchemoth, and you go up to the mural where it shows the you know the engraving of the Bios and Makana stabbing each other, and Melia is sitting there and she's fretting and and Shulk's talking to her and she's like. I have this premonition, this vision of the, of the future to come afterwards. It's like, I see war, you know, and I see like all this hardship and I'm just like, you go back and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like they actually are talking about three actually in the quiet moment, the heart to heart between Shulk and Melia at the very end of Future Connect. Um, so it, it is weird because like, but it also kind of makes sense how like it really doesn't it really doesn't do any of this weird sort of like Marvel style, like, you know, post credits, like dun, 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 like, you know, look who shows up, you know, there's no like Thanos going fine. I'll do it myself moment of future connect. Um, and the characters have no idea what's going on because Shulk has still has no idea, you know, how his universe, he has like a vague concept of how his universe was created. Um, and, and again, yeah, the, the fog King you fight and then the rift and everything. I, I saw the rift and I'm like, okay, that looks pretty similar to some other stuff but like i kept expecting there to be more with it but there wasn't and I'm, I'm like that's fine because i guess if you really put too much stuff in future connect then people who didn't play two would be really lost as to maybe some of the reveals coming from it but yes like um to really get to into with the, the meat of, of future connect is that the the fog king is is an infernal gildo or goldo uh, from two and it's a creature you you fight in a, in a place called Moritha which is spoiler spoiler you know it's it's earth it's like um, it's 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 a human like a gildo is a human who survived the phase transition experiment but you know they basically their body got you know deformed and morphed over time and they they basically just like it's just like a a, a soul clinging to life um and you fight one of them in, in there's 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 a bunch of them in, in Xenoblade 2. You can fight like you know just small ones, and then there's a big one you fight 
in in the Torna womb, which is a big boss battle in Xenoblade 2. And they sort of reveal later on, like, yeah, this used to be, this was a human at one point. And then after Klaus initiated his phase transition experiment, like there were some survivors, you know, and they were clinging to life, but they were all horribly mutated by, by his, you know, shenanigans. And the Fog King is that. Like, it, it's, it's interesting because that character model doesn't exist, obviously, anywhere in Xenoblade 1 because they didn't, hadn't created it you know two yet but then when they brought in future connect it's like the final boss it doesn't say anything it doesn't talk because they don't um and xenoblade 2 but like the the enemy character the enemy model they used for the fog king was this thing and if you you look into the okay so what's the biography or what is the history of this enemy from two that they're using for future connect and it's like starts to sort of like add up um also going into xenosaga stuff uh the whole thing with the fog king is interesting because it exists on the sort of ethereal plane and like they can't like they can't physically touch it or damage it at all and it corrupts stuff around it and shulk has to make you know a makeshift you know monado which is called like the rex monado by the way um (laughs) and he has to create a hilbert effect which is what cosmos does in xenosaga so it's kind of like this weird sort of like things are all kind of like going in this weird loop cycle of like Okay, so now Xenoblade has created the Gnosis from Xenosaga, and you have to do the exact same thing to make, uh, uh, you know, an ethereal ghostly apparatus physical, and you know, and then so you can actually take it out. And then, like, what is this thing, and where did it come from? Well, it came from Xenoblade Two's world. It doesn't state that, but I think it's it's sort of like it's very implied. Everything's sort of really implied with Future Connect. It's kind of like they don't ever outright say. They don't say what the rift is. They don't say where it came from. They don't say where it leads to, you know, and you just kind of have to infer it because, of, you know, of the creature that comes out of it, you know, and what the history of that creature that comes out of it is. So um, I, I think Future Connect's going to make a lot more sense after Xenoblade 3 is out than, than now. Like it doesn't, it do, like I said, it doesn't do that, that, that very, uh, you know, Marvel's, you know, cinematic universe style thing of like, teasing you with like some big reveal or some like oh my gosh this you know this special character showed up for like half a second at the you know, the last cutscene, so it doesn't really do that it's it's a lot more subdued so yeah i mean it's the same way with xenoblade one going into two you don't really know how they connect in xenoblade two until like the final moments of the game where oh oh okay now i see how this is all connected um but that's very different in xenoblade three how it's you know, the whole point of the story is these two worlds combining. Like, it, it's not just implied. It's it's there. Yeah. And, and like, uh, was it Shunya Takahashi literally just states it after the trailer. Yeah. I, that was, to me, was kind of like, okay, so, like, Nintendo, you know, Nintendo exec is sitting here saying it publicly. Like, this is a connection of one and two. All right. <laughs> no more ambiguity. Yeah, they even wanted you, like, to think, like, oh, you're clearly seeing two things from one and two in one shot together. Hmm. You wait, stay tuned to find out more information. Like they, they're definitely leaning very hard into that. And I'm thinking you're right. Like whether or not it was planned for a while or whether or not through the development of three, they just were like, we need to figure out how future connected fits in. Like you're right. It'll make way more sense once we played it. Like it's it's really bizarre because Takahashi said they had planned three before two. Like when they were finishing up X he said they had planned where they were going to go with the story in two and three before they were making two. I mean, 
that's kind of good to have is knowing like how many things have so many media, how many pieces of media have like multiple entries and they, they're great. The journey's great, but they never stick the landing. I think they probably really wanted to get it right or to have set themselves up for the best chance to succeed narratively with that, 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 that finale, like Marvel, as you said, like MCU stuff like earlier is like one of the few things that really most people I'd say nails it. So that's not, yeah, but it'll be for me. It'll be very curious to see whether or not it was like, Oh, they clearly were planning. Even just future connected stuff. This is all part of a grand plan, or you know, it'll make it'll make way more sense. Um, let me um, let me ask you this. It's from Le- Le- uh, sorry, Level Copybara. Um, you were all talking about Switch collections, um, or sorry, Xenoblade collections, um, the three games. But they want to know the Switch is about to receive its third Xenoblade title to date. By why why not make it four? Remember Xenoblade Chronicles X? No. <laughs> now, Takashi previously mentioned that money and tech limitations were both obstacles to porting Xenoblade Chronicles X to the Switch, but do you think it's possible for 3 to perform so well that a Switch export becomes more tantalize, a more tantalizing prospect for Monolith Soft? You look, yeah. if Nintendo and Monolith Soft wanted to do it, they would do it. Um... It's like it's not like Nintendo is so hard up for money where it's so cost prohibitive, which is the reason wh- that Namco gave why we haven't gotten the Zeno Saga trilogy that it's too cost prohibitive. If Nintendo wanted to do it, I think they would do it. What I've always gotten the impression of their models are kind of control freaks, and if it was to happen, they would have to do it. Like they wouldn't let anyone else touch it and do it. Um, you know, they wouldn't give it to another studio to do it. Um, and I think they've been pretty busy with Xenoblade Chronicles 3, like, for years. And, you know, I think that's what they've been really focusing on. And they splintered their teams, you know, to work on Definitive Edition. Um, but even Takahashi said, like, as they were working on Definitive Edition, they were also working on this mystery project, which I think we can all safely assume is 3 now. Um <laughs> So I think they've been busy. I think like the money excuse was them just trying to cover up the fact that they've been working on Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And I don't think they're the kind of team that would just like give it to Grezzo or give it to, um, you know, uh, uh, the studio that's doing front mission for, for Square Enix. Um, hey, 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 Monster Games did 3DS Xenoblade. It happened. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. They did. I just, I, I would think that they would want to do it to make changes um, to it. But... Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I'm sorry, because I do want it to happen. Uh, it's not going to happen. And yeah. and and let me be a little realistic here on on, on kind of why. Um, and and some of it's like it's 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 like I'm not saying it's impossible. Nothing's impossible. Of course, they could do it. But here's why it's probably never going to happen. Number one is there is a a metric ton of gamepad integrated functionality with Xenoblade X. Yes, you could play the game on gamepad only, um, but it was a very cumbersome experience. Um, But much, much, much of the game is is very much based around using the gamepad in tandem because there's a whole uh, sim-like aspect with, with the world map and because you go around you plant these nodes and then like you have all this mining operation and all this touchscreen based you know stuff to to manage on the gamepad while you're playing the main game in x so there is a ton of gamepad functionality that they would have to scrap and then and then you know make make doable without it completely it's doable but it's it's not simple it's not it's not like mario 3d world 
you know, well, well, we can kind of just like use a little bit of gyro, you know, to like sort of like supplement the very few times you needed to really use the touchscreen or something like that. It's not like new Super Mario Brothers U in any way, shape or form either. Um, so there's that. And then there's the other aspect. And that is everyone, everyone forgets Xenoblade X was an always online experience. It was meant to be always online. If you weren't online, it would literally have a, a little faded out thing that says with a big X that says offline. A ton ton of online features were built into the core of the xenoblade x experience there's factions that you join up with there's there's daily quests there's daily stuff um there's you can you can do you know a higher an np like hire an ai of another player character there is actual co-op missions that you play with other human beings there is a ton of online integrated features into xenoblade x and all of that would have to be massively redone because it's no it's not the same system they don't have the same online infrastructure for uh the switch as they did for the wii u remember they went back to friend codes on on the switch you know as one thing and then all the other little things like you would have to get someone who's a network infrastructure you'd have to get like online programmers and network infrastructure people and i've been saying you know for years now uh ever since like even 2017 i'm like they're not hiring online infrastructure people like that's been in none of their they've 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 almost tripled in size since since xenoblade 2 came out and none of it was for online infrastructure people so there's there's i mean that you could say well they're already there they made xenoblade x but it's like maybe but on the other hand it's just kind of like they've not been looking for this this is not been something they've wanted and it's a very big part of xenoblade x and again it's just it's it's a difficult game to port because it really tried to do everything you know it was the kitchen sink of of of, of game design philosophy there where try to do as much stuff as they could with the gamepad and then try to do all this stuff with their big online stuff and then Meverse and whatever and all that stuff that nintendo was kind of pushing at the time of the wii u you know and kind of gave up on so it's it's the worst selling xenoblade game i get it it's a wii u title um but it's also a game that seemingly i don't i only say seemingly because i you know i think things could change by the end of this year uh but seemingly has no relevance to one and two and now three how one two three are very intricately connected and x kind of just exists in its own little side bubble universe um so it's it's not like you're missed for as far as we can tell we're not missing any story, major story content or beats from X, you know, uh, in, in one, two, and three. And it's a very difficult game to sort of, you're going to have to rework it. And that's a lot of time and a lot of effort for, for a game that may or may not even do all that well. The Switch is getting very long in the tooth at this point, too. Like, you'd have to think about, okay, even if they were doing an export you know, it's going to come out, what, six, seven years after the Switch came out? Well, how much of an audience is left that's going to want to jump into a big game like that with all these online, you know, features and, and co-op and all this other stuff? It's just kind of like, uh, the best the best hope really is to see like a remaster on a future generation of hardware. I don't think Switch is, I don't think Switch is, is a good fit right now at this point in time for X right. or, or for the studio. Yeah, they, they might revisit X if they ever decide to, you know, do a sequel to it. I could see that. But, like, right now, I think the focus for them was, like, getting this trilogy all on one platform because it's one story, really. 
So I, I think that's what the focus was. That's why we got like definitive edition when everyone's like, hey, how come they're not porting? How come they're not porting the Wii U game? Because like Switch is all these great Wii U ports. And, you know, people were like, hey, how come they're not doing that? How come they're going back to the Wii game? It's because they want people to have access to this complete story. Um, it's as simple as that. Yeah. That, I think that's a pretty good point. That the, the, It seemed pretty obvious they were doing that. And then I know Monosoft is Monolith Soft. They're not like first, like they're not just like the other Nintendo studios where it seems to be general MO just that the permeates throughout Nintendo is just like they'd rather not revisit older games and move forward with newer projects. Like new games are more valuable to them. And we have Xenoblade 3 coming out this year. And we saw that the other project that they've been hiring for that like, We've seen nothing tangible of yet as well. That, that I'm, more fairly, like, I'm, I'm fairly certain that's being saved for an, a hardware upgrade. Yeah, like the, I'd rather see that the, and them have resources more allocated to that than it possibly being. I mean, obviously it'd be like the Zenal probably the core Xenoblade team, but I even them I like I'd rather you make a brand new type of game after three. If there's that three is maybe like the conclusion to this trilogy and there's nowhere to go after that, then revisiting X for all the reasons he gave Simmons and the fact that it is, you know, there was probably like a reason it was like the lowest selling one as well. It had like, has seen like a really cool ideas, but like the, 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 the more appealing aspects of everything kind of like felt like kind of seeped into like one, two, uh, or into two since it came out after, and then like now three, like, poten- yeah. like the potential of like a more seamless world map. Like, oh, that's really all I wanted from X, kind of like to come out of there, and, and maybe mech traversing and mech combat. It's like, cool, I got those, and like, I'm not really clamoring for online functionality for Xenoblade Chronicles right now either, as you pointed out. So it's like, it would be such a tall order, as you said, and like, what would the payoff even been? And yeah, like, the like that game was really pushing the Wii U. I don't see how it could look very much more appealing than it would already on current switch hardware like you said a, a hardware refresh would be a better opportunity as you said stealth if they wanted to maybe continue that as a trilogy then sure revisit as you like revisit on next switch hardware where a, a more apparent generational leap in graphic fidelity would uh would benefit that game but yeah, it keeps coming up. I know people want like export. We get it, you know. But you know, never say never. But th- as you said, stealth doesn't seem like it's likely anytime soon. Um, and also, you pointed out because this next question is actually you kind of answered it, but maybe we could explore it a little bit more for a second from Zach. They just want to know Xenosaga Trilogy Remaster when you pointed out Bandai Namco with the funding. The money answer was more apparent to them, but. With the, you know, if, depending on where three goes, there might be a resurgence in interest in the saga. You could even see like Nintendo maybe working with them to make it like maybe Nintendo exclusive ports of those with some like co funding or some co work there. Yeah, Namco and the Switch is a very complicated relationship where, <laughs> to put it very nicely, um, yeah. <laughs> where like they'll port games like three years after the fact um you know and the fact in a couple months we're getting you know dot hack on switch which came out in 2017 on on ps4 um so they're 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 no stranger to like the late port but for whatever reason um i think it was harada who said like they did like the cost analysis and it went very far 
into almost like being a, an active project, but then like financially they ran the numbers and they didn't want to do it and they didn't do it. I, um, I'm, I'm very happy with that tweet Harada made because he said we this actually he said he said it actually made it to the remaster phase, but it failed in a profitable market analysis. He says sorry, this is going to be difficult to bring up with with the board again kind of thing i was just happy it's not what you want to hear but i'm happy he was trans i I really appreciated that transparency do what do i believe that report now i don't think so because a lot of people want these games and and i think if you in the right context and a direct announcement you announce these games Mm -hmm. a lot of people are very happy and and they sell better than you know any of the other you know they sell at least a million i think i think a remastered collection could sell a million units um, you know, in the right context. And, and I think it would sell very well, given the fact that Xenoblades is popular, it was really Xeno is as popular as it's ever been. Um, certainly more popular than they were during Xenosaga. Um, so, you know, I, I think whenever they do it w- would be a good time for it. It's just like, are they ever going to do it? And, and, and the fact that, you know, Monolith Soft was once owned by Namco, and they, they weren't happy with that relationship, and then they went to Nintendo. You don't know what kind of feelings exist. I, I know they collaborated on some of the, like, Namco had to sign off on some of the DLC that was in Xenoblade 2, but, like, how much involvement do you want Monolith Soft to have? And, yeah, like, would it have to, like, would they want it to be Nintendo exclusive? There, there's just a that lot of things. There's another, yeah. There's, there's a lot of things. I think well, it's, 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 it's the same thing with Gears, actually. Um, I was going to ask you about, that was my last question I was going to ask you about, is, like, Gears also always comes up. And, like, uh, again, with 3, like, the resurgence in popularity for that. Square, uh, yeah. And even Squ- 2D, Square, HD, uh, yeah. like, effort well, here's people have been thing. throwing around. Square doesn't need Monolith Soft to do it if they want. They own the IP. They can do whatever they want with the IP. And Namco owns Xenosaga. They can do whatever they want with the IP. They don't need Monolith Soft to actually do a port or a remaster. They don't. They don't need to. But a big part of of game development, you know, and in the early stages, is uh, we, you know, me and Max, we've talked about it a lot. Is what gets these projects going is someone within the company is a champion for them. You need a champion for a project. You need a producer level person who's like i i think we should do this i really want to do this i'm going to champion this and push for this to get made um and i don't think there's anyone at squaresoft who's a champion for xeno gears uh wanting to really like go ahead and like make a big push to get like a 2d hd or or a port or anything for it because it almost would feel almost like stepping on toes a bit at this point where it's like monolith exists they then they're actually doing very well for themselves it's almost kind of like you know, taking their, you know, trying to profit off their previous work for them. I almost wonder if it was more of a, a re. That's why I kind of think Square's never done anything with Gears as far as like ports or or remasters or anything. Just because I'm like, I don't think there's anyone within SquareSoft that's like wants to to do that. Like, there's no there's no champion for Gears at Square because anyone who would be a champion's at Monolithsoft. Yeah, that, yeah, that's actually a really good point because Square Enix has like a champion of like Saga. The Saga. I was gonna series. bring. I was going to bring up the Saga yeah. creator because he has tenure, and apparently yeah. he's basically like allowed every X amount of years to do a new Saga game or port or something. He's just allowed to do that because he has so much tenure there at the company. And that's why we keep seeing it kind of like brought up every every so often. But it's like I just don't think there's any like one like that within yeah. SquareSoft for Gears, and then Saga is the same kind of boat where. I just, I, you know, Harada tried, you know, he brought it up and they, 
and they said, yeah, we don't think it's going to sell. Um, I, I think Saga is a really double-edged sword because it plays nothing like Blade. Um, and, and you might get people interested because of the success of Blade, but they're going to quickly find out the games are nothing alike from a gameplay standpoint. So I think that's going to be the biggest problem. Also, good God, they would have to redub those games, especially two, um, if, if they were going to remaster them, because like the voice actors change almost on a per game basis. And the dubbing job in three is pretty dang good, actually. And there's a lot of like well-known talent that stepped in for the roles in Xenosaga three, but two is a train wreck as far as like dubbing goes. And, and one's pretty bad too. And it's like, man, I don't know. Like, mm, <laughs> like, there's, yeah. there, I, I almost feel like there's more work that needs to be done for those. And, could and take a, like a crowdfunding approach for it, maybe like fund, yeah, like but that always fund looks, it, and then that like, looks bad when when you're Namco and you have yeah. that much money. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, if, <laughs> if it, yeah, that was more like Harada's report. Like, oh, you reach this goal, like we'll do a whole new dub. But I yeah. think it would be more likely that Nintendo, like, they see the interest and like they actually like their their analysts are like, hey, there actually is a like a surge in like trending topics for Xenosaga. Um, maybe let's reach out to the Bandai Namco and ask like, hey, can we see some of those analysis you did on the HD effort and like maybe we could uh, have ours look at it and maybe there is something to be worked out there um, as well. The Gears thing though you said, I'm very interested because I understand like your argument about no, not having a champion there, but there is a dedicated team at Square Enix that is dedicated to the, the remasters, like their old catalog bringing it back. And it does seem like it's been a little like scattershot in what they bring. Like all of a sudden Actraiser comes out of nowhere. It's like, okay, why Actraiser? Why now? Even Chrono Cross, like why now? Why is it coming out right now? Like why, why, why this year? Like why not a previous year? Then like it could, like honestly, I actually in an Easy Alley's podcast, I kind of postulated the theory that you just did like well there's probably probably have a team like all right who's interested in what what do you want to do and someone raised their hand like chrono cross i'm like all right are you really passionate about it let's do that like and i can see maybe yes yeah, sure like no one there's like eh, xeno gears and as you said they want to step on toes but i'm also want to say like never say never i feel like a that monolith, the break of the current monolith soft team that was at Square Soft at the time was so long ago that maybe maybe you know they could they buried the hatchet and there are no hard feelings that it, it was could be a, it was pre merger you know it yeah was before so the, maybe like there's a possibility there and like as I was trying to say earlier I've seen a lot of discussion recently about the hopes and dreams of people for the 2D HD team to maybe take a crack at it like a, a, a game that might fit really well and the spectacle because we how many times have we had breadcrumbs that people thought was like oh Xenogears remaster is coming or they they're putting out a new act a new mech figure or soundtrack or whatever and it's like wait why are they touching xeno gears but not the game but they're touching merchandise around it why would you even do that and it's like hmm i, I don't know i i think i think it could happen it's just a lot of things would have to fall into place as you said you're right nothing's impossible i would never yeah. discount it i just would say like it's a little unlikely at this point just yeah i mean I yeah, I, I sorry. I think a big part of like what Square is deciding to bring um, up, and I think they're enamored with this whole oh, it was never released in in English before, and now we're bringing it out in English. Oh my um, god! I think <laughs> maybe why Chrono Cross is happening and why Live Alive is happening, um, and why you know even Dragon Quest Three, you know the 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 original like kind of we we got like a 
Game Boy Color version, but it wasn't like kind of how it's looking now. Um, you know, they're they're very enamored with this concept. Of, well, it's their own. Well, actually, it's their own doing of not bringing games over. It kind of works in a way. It's like, hey, it's basically a new game. Yeah. Like we, so we don't have game. to. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. like it, it's like it's a good sell. It's not like, hey, here's this old obscure thing. He's you know. It, when you talk about something like it's like very muted, I feel like say Nintendo's like we're bringing Earthbound to the NSO. Great, <laughs> you know it's like it's been on Wii U, it's been yeah. on Wii, you know it's been very. I'm like and I'm just gonna bring it up. It's been very easily piratable for for years. But then you have to talk about something like Live Alive. I don't even know if there was a fan translation ever done for that or not. But it's Square doesn't have to sit there and say like, well, hey, we're going to resell you this old thing that's like, hey, freely available on the interwebs, you know, to pirate. Now it's like it's like it's like a brand new thing. It's like this is this is new. You've never experienced this. And then especially if they 2D HD it, um, Radical yeah. Dreamers an- another big one where it's like this yeah. is a, this is a Teleview game. Yeah. You that know? That, like, that one makes me think if they went to the effort to even bring Radical Dreamers over. And officially localize it. It's like I see anything is probably possible. Yeah. If they really want to do it, and that's why I feel like if they ever did like a Zeno Gears, you would need Monolith Soft to like redo the second disc. You know, like add the content they were going to add to make it that kind of enticing thing. Yeah, um, I think I think that second disc is probably a big hang up for yeah. the remaster of Gears because it's like it's it's very obvious if you're going to put any effort into to doing this game, like. The second disc is very obviously like this weird sort of sore spot of like, we totally ran out of time and budget. So we turned it into a visual novel. We just tell you about things that happen instead of you actually going somewhere and doing things. And it's like, you're going to, you're going to make that playable now. Right? Like, I feel like there's a big expectation with gears, like to, to flesh out the second disc. If you're going to, if you're going to actually go with through the effort of, of remastering the game in any way. So maybe in this paper, I mean, that might just be why Square doesn't want to do it. Because like, eh, <laughs> that that's work. <laughs> that's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah, I think people were more forgiving then. I don't think they'd be as forgiving now of like a second half that's that loose. Um, yeah. you, know, you, you can't just add like no random encounters and their normal quality of life updates for these remasters. Um, you'd have to do something a little bit more substantial. And for that, I think you you don't need Monolith Soft, but I think like the fans would kind of want Monolith Soft to do it. Yeah. Especially, if especially if you're fleshing it out and it was yeah. such a personal and story between Takahashi and yeah. Soria Saga so it's like and that runs into and if that's the way they want to go that raises another issue of platform because this is that Nintendo would absolutely want that to be probably exclusive to Switch if they're going to lend out Monolith Soft to help with that and whereas mm-hmm. that is a series that was you know it was a PlayStation game and Square Enix might want to be like no nah, you know, like that, that would be a hang up that would have to be ironed out essentially because that will be a hurdle to overcome. Is that the, the big platform question if Monolith Soft gets involved? Yeah, definitely. Well, was there was there anything else uh, that you wanted to, to bring up regarding this that we didn't cover? Because that, that was all the patron questions we had. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, I didn't know if there was if there were any more questions regarding it. Um, uh i mean we didn't really go into actually didn't really go into a lot of spoilery stuff honestly um overall um but yeah there's a lot of really interesting because takashi said something with the trailer that there's a lot of east like there's a lot of hints in the trailer about what what they're doing which 
that's kind of interesting. A lot of people have theory crafted like crazy online. Um, there's a lot of gear. I was going to say there's a lot of gears floating into into Xeno Blade Three. Um, the big one that I kind of noticed right away was the name of the countries. So it's it's Kiev's and Agnes, and in Xeno Gears, the start of the game, there were two warring factions called Kislev and Ava, and so it's like you know it's another k and an a it's not like identical but it's it's interesting but in xeno gears um the, the two warring countries were kind of like overseen by a, a higher power or a higher country called solaris and they referred to them as lambs surface dwelling lambs and kev's and agnes it, agnes is is short for agnes day which means lamb of god in in latin and kev's is hebrew for lamb <laughs> so there's this really direct connection right there with sort of like the opening of what we can tell from Xenoblade 3, where there's like this very direct callback to Xeno Gears right there. Um, and there's a lot of stuff I've seen, you know, going into like all the all the other stuff about it. Um, there's a lot of weird things like the Taino says in the trailer, like at one point, um, you know, he says like, you know, they're not your friends anymore. They're his fuel, which is a very Zanza line. From the end of Xenoblade One, uh, where Zanza basically just shrugs off all the all the sentient life born on the Bionis, it's just you know his food, basically fuel for him, which also trails back into Xenogears because there's a whole Soylent Green subplot um, within Xenogears and and like what the main baddie of that game is doing, which is it's an inter it's an interplanetary invasion system that's crashed and is basically repairing itself by creating biological life so that it can absorb it to repair itself um which also kind of was what zanzo was doing more or less so that's what ether is um so there's a lot of like there's a lot of gears seeping in to blade i would even argue that the main character noah looks a little bit like Faye. he's got the ponytail and i i, I feel like even though you know there's tanaka's art for Faye. And it's Saito's art for for Noah. They have a very similar, like almost the scowl, the the the, the key art is almost identical there as the expression they're both giving between Faye and Noah. So there's a lot of weird stuff like that. One thing I saw that was kind of interesting is um some people were were talking about Noah's sword, his Monado or whatever. And on actually on every sword, you can actually look at this in all the official released artwork. There's a weird Uroboros symbol on every single uh, weapon in the game and like it fills up almost like a ring like when it's purple it's full um, and you see it on the mechs as well like you see there's like this half filled up circular thing on a lot of the mechs they run by and it seems like when it's filled up that's when like the mechs are full of fuel or whatever which I think also delves a little bit into what Uni said about like the blithering clocks in their eyes so it's like those are a lot of questions there about what that all means and the, here's the weirdest thing and in Nintendo of America and Europe didn't translate, like they kind of translated the Xenoblade official Twitter tweets, but they didn't, they didn't translate the ages because everyone in this game is 18 except for Mio who's 19, which is interesting because Uni's Hyentia and Hyentia are supposed to live like forever. <laughs> like if you remember the little kid, uh, T-Len in Future Connect, he's like this little, you know, he's like a little like 10 year old boy or whatever. And he's supposed to be like 50 or something like that or 45 or something. And Melia is like 88. 
in in Future Connect, by the way, uh, which is weird. And her father, the really old guy, he's like 450 or something. So I'm like, it's really leading this big question of how far after one and two is three. You know, if Melly is still around and kicking, because you would think, yes, High Antia live a while, but they don't live forever. And they're definitely old looking by the time they get to 400, 500. So that's a big question right now I have for myself is like, how long after this is this game? And why are all the characters specifically like 18, 19? Because like, the, you know, Lands is Machina, but he's only 18, which that's interesting. And again, Uni, the high Entia girl, is 18, even though she should be like 80. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm Mio's interesting because she has like the same blade eater blade as Nia, but it's flipped upside down. Um, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the most interesting parts of this game is what happened between Xenoblade one and two and three to get to this point where, mm-hmm. you know, Melia seemingly has one faction and Nia has another faction and they're seemingly at war. What happened? And where are the characters who would technically be alive if this took place 300 years from when those games took place where's pyra and mithra um where are some of the blades um where's you know so i one of the like that's like a could be a huge payoff is when we find out like how did we get from xenoblade one and two to three um yeah that that's the could be a great payoff i i think my guess is this there's there's some sort of survival mechanic like there's something that the characters need to do something with the clocks, something with or related to Ouroboros in general. Um, so some mechanic that I'm guessing both sides have to do to stay alive, which leads into the whole beginning of the trailer, you know, um, you know, living to fight, fighting to live, which is actually a slogan from Xenosaga 1, by the way. Um, <laughs> just to throw that one out there. Uh, but yeah, there's... My guess is that there's something going on about these people are like they have to do something like they have to do some they have to either gather something or do some sort of resource to keep themselves alive um another interesting one is senna the hammer girl because she has a big core crystal a big normal blue core crystal and she has bridget's hair she has the hair tips of bridget and it's like what's going on there because <laughs> bridget bridget was just a normal boy too and kind of yeah. the same color too a little bit so yeah and then the third character was named Taon. Um, we don't see a crystal, um, but he's covered up. So we don't really, yeah, we we kind of can assume maybe he is. And like the official translations of the worlds, like one was developed very mechanically and the other was developed with like magic and ether. Um, you know, so it's like, how is it, how is that going to play into this conflict that seemingly, and, and this is something that, you know, Rogers base and another YouTuber brought up when we were doing a video, um, the flute that Noah's playing, I think is, and you might remember it, it, the first time we see it, is it black? He's playing a black flute with like Zanza symbols yeah. on it. Yeah. And then in another point in the trailer, he's actually flipped his flute where Mio's yeah. playing his flute and he's playing her flute. Yeah, so, so at one point, like Nia, like Mio and Noah maybe come to an understanding and flip flutes somehow. Yeah. Um, because they're both offseers. Like that's their title is offseer. Yeah. Um, and then they're both offseers for their respective wor- worlds, basically. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing here's my, my biggest, deepest, big brain is that 
this is a lot of fallout from the conduit leaving the universe or possibly possibly reappearing if you go by the siren model kit yes there is lore critical to the xenoblade series on the box of the siren model kit <laughs> that they made for xenoblade 2 which by the way literally repeats the exact same origin story of xenogears and xenosaga now officially for blade um i i think my big brain is that conduit's gone now they're in and they're in some sort of energy crisis or life crisis where they they need something to basically keep themselves alive and in in xenoblade's universe and in really all the xeno universes ether you know the substance it, it is it is siphoned from some other higher dimension through the conduit through the zohar zohar leaves at the end of xenoblade 2 so now they're probably in some weird energy crisis to live especially the blades because pyramithra malus and uh, alvis uh, spoilers um they're they're directly actually powered by the conduit uh where the other blades just accumulate data and send that data back to pyramithra and malus um that's what their job was supposed to do but what powers the the you know their their special core crystals in the shape of zohar is the zohar or the conduit or if you're in japan it's the gate um so my guess is that this is sort of like a sort of they're just basically going to probably make an interesting parallel to real world dynamics where it's like hey war of resources one country kind of like is is like basically it's two desperate nations fighting over resources to live and that's what's basically going to be the crux of this game which is obviously a very xeno style way of doing it but my big brain is that you're either going to need to find a conduit find the conduit in the game or the conduit is the reason all these worlds have merged because in the mop in the model kit they actually describe the reason they put the conduit up on the radamanthus beanstalk at the end of xenoblade 2 in, in low orbit was because they said if they activated it on the ground it could have catastrophic consequences you know if they tried to merge two worlds together at the same time it's basically like imagine time traveling to the same point in time but you like you basically merge into a wall or a building that wasn't there before so i'm gonna guess maybe something like that happened they found they found the like another conduit or the conduit ended up on earth or on some landmass and someone activated it and then all the worlds just smushed together uh which is why you see uriah cut in half <laughs> which is really sad obviously for fans of two but um that's my big brain and the and what i think's going to happen is the conduit is going to need to make klaus again because in xenogears the whole point of the of the zohar is it keeps keeps reincarnating fey because it needs fey to basically turn it on it's, it's like it needs his genetic thumbprint basically so my big brain is that there's going to be some weird thing where they need to basically reincarnate klaus so he can open the conduit and send whatever wave existence being inside it. Cause that's the whole plot of all the Xeno games is that the Zohar is a machine. It trapped a fifth dimensional being inside of it. It wants to go home. Can't go home unless someone turns it on, but you need to have a spe special someone to turn it on. Like you need someone's thumbprint and in Xeno gears. It was keep reincarnating Faye till I can get him to open the Zohar. Let me go home. I'm going to guess the same thing is going to happen similarly with the conduit. 
And I'm going to guess because Klaus is the one who turned the thing on at the end, as you see in Xenoblade 1 and 2, uh, there's going to be some plot relevant thing about getting Klaus or, or a reincarnation or a clone of Klaus or something. Because that's the weird thing about the characters. It looks, Mio looks like a reincarnation of Nia. Senna feels like a reincarnation of Bridget in some way. Uh, I keep wanting to say Tino, I, I, but I don't, I don't think it's Tino, it's Tyon. Yeah. Um, he looks sort of, kind of like Akos from 2. Kind of. Maybe it's just the glasses. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's a lot of like, yeah, these characters kind of look a lot like previous entities that are and they're not supposed to be the same ones so i'm wondering if they're reincarnation is actually a big thing too in all the xeno games in some way shape or form so i'm yeah. wondering if it's going i think it's all going to lead back to you're going to need some weird ending because gears basically ends with with Faye. he finally comes in contact with the with the zohar and he lets the wave existence go home and then him and ellie go you know you know they get free they come home kind of thing it, it's all leading to that basically um or it's going to go more a saga. I'm guessing from what we've seen with the whole countries are named after lambs, yada, yada. I'm going in, it's more leaning into a Gears style conclusion. It could end into a Xenosaga style conclusion, which is a little different, which is more or less just like, hey, I like existing. Please don't reset the universe because <laughs> I really like being alive. And if we reset the universe, we all go away. So that's very boiled down to what Xenosaga is all about, mostly. Um, just nutshell that Xenosaga is about our universe as part of a lower domain. And if it gets too, if you get too many wayward souls who can't move on, um, it basically will cause the lower domain to crumble, which causes the higher domain to fall down. And basically the entire all known existence will just cease to exist. So they constantly perpetually restart the universe. In, in a cycle nature, which Zanza kind of also insinuates in Xenoblade 1. But there seems to be a lot of gears. I'm seeing a lot of gears in Xenoblade 3. And and I kind of think that's where it's going. I think I think Takahashi is trying to perfect his work. <laughs> yeah. If uh, you know a fun little fun little there's a little Xeno joke for all you. <laughs> Yeah, and, and one thing I've seen people speculate about, and I just don't see it, and it's a very, like, JRPG thing of, like, bring back the heroes. Like, I don't think Shulk and Rex are going to be in this. Maybe there'll be Easter eggs a little bit, but, like, I don't think a plot point is going to be, like, resurrecting them. I think this takes place hundreds of years in, 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 the, in whatever future this is, um, and I just I, I don't think we're going to see, you know, Shulk and Rex make appearances that's just my personal I, I, th I think that brings up a really good question that you just kind of answered which is like what yeah. do you what do you think is not going to be in the game that's kind of people are throwing around um i don't think rex is going to be in the game either um yeah. it, it, i don't think shulk will be in i think a reincarnation of klaus might be um i do think we'll see probably pyramithra and yeah maybe alvis maybe Hell, maybe I, even maybe even Malice, maybe that's a stretch. Yeah. I, I don't think we're gonna see any gotcha mechanics of any kind. Um, I, I don't think we're gonna see gotcha. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we're we're just going off like this like first two minute trailer. I feel like the next deep dive we're gonna get is gonna answer a lot of these questions. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we're gonna get gotcha in in any way. Um, 
But I yeah, I, I, sorry. I, costumes, I was gonna say, I think costumes was actually a really good question about like, will we yeah. or won't we see this? Yeah. Or something like that. Um, yeah. I, I think we're gonna see Poppy. And I think yeah. it's gonna be, and I think it's gonna be pretty depressing Me how too. that plays out. I, I don't see a good, I see it happening, and I don't see a good future for it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm all here for it. Yeah, we might uh, see like a rundown Poppy who, who nobody cares about or is updated in a hundred years. And yeah, it kind of reminds me of that Teen Titan episode with Cyborg, who was yeah. just Teen Titan Tower just sitting there plugged in because he couldn't move. Um, something like that. But yeah, I can see that being very sad. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, are we going to see the blades from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 who should all be immortal? Um, you know, they should, should all be, be Well, they have Nia. And my big question is, where's Dromark? Yeah. Like, if, if she's alive, he should be around too. And if he's not, I think that would be a fan- Like, this is terrible. I think that would be a fantastic way to sort of, like, lean the player towards one side or the other. If you see someone from Kev's murdering Dromark, you know, or he dies in service of protecting Nia. And yeah. then you're kind of like, ah, like you kind of like, cause that's the one thing I think the advantage of having a combination of two games in the third game rather than in one game. Uh, and that is you build up an affinity for the characters, the races, the world of one in one. And then you build up an affinity for the characters, the world, the races of two in two. And now here's three. Now they're at war with each other. So now you're conflicted of which which side do you that do you personally gives side me with? Arc the lad, Twilight of the Spirits vibes yeah. right there, where you play as two different factions throughout the game, and the big sorry spoilers for Arc the lad. That's the big finale is you have to pick which side you want to fight because you fight each other and you literally kill the other side. I mean they don't perma die as a spoiler, but like you at the time you are built up that like you are ending yeah. this team that you've spent dozens and dozens of hours with like you have to kill one of them it's like oh shit like would they do something in this where you are i think it's more likely that you are going to travel between the like see like the two sides and you will come to an understanding and you will have members from both sides eventually within your party um and the, I mean, you I, see I that in the, the trailer really. yeah they'll be rotating party members i think it has yeah. how they're actually going to do it would be my best guess and it'll just be as the narrative dictates like who should be in the party with you um but yeah as you said there's like this there's so many questions that this two minute yeah. trailer raises and you know it's very I, likely we're gonna get like a deep I, dive I, at some point like they've done actually, what they did with two yeah I actually really like the fact that it's not known that this was going to be the way this was going to go. Because like when you talk about like Fire Emblem Three Houses or other games, a lot of them, it's like you kind of know going into the game, hey, there's two warring factions and I'll see both sides of the equation. And it's like when you play Three Houses from the beginning, you know you get to choose one and you know you're probably going to do multiple playthroughs. So you're going to see both sides of it. Like you didn't know that going in. We didn't know 10 years ago. (laughs) <laughs> there was going to be a Xenoblade 2 where there'd be a different universe and then there was going to be a three-way after that and then they're going to be at war with each other so it's like you, you kind of had this sort of like false sense of security about yeah. you know where yeah. the future is because like Alvis in the ending of one is all like oh I can see the future all life will walk together hand in hand and you liar yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that reminds me because it's like Melia isn't a villain and Nia isn't a villain like we we like these characters and we don't yeah. want to see them we don't want to see them fighting and potentially like 
maybe kill the other one or something like that. We never yeah. thought we would. Like, like if you told me in Xenoblade 2 that out of all the characters in that game, Nia was going to be like the one <laughs> as like this main like leader character, I never would have believed it. Um, but like, that's the reality of it. And, and, and that brings up something that I've seen online. And I don't think, I mean, maybe it'll happen where maybe we'll have a choice of like a prologue chapter, like where we can pick like mm. one side or the other and then like eventually uh, it becomes the same thing. Yeah, w- w- um, w- DLC, Where's what's their Torna aspect here? Yeah. yeah. Will yeah. it be a pre... Well, here's the crazy thing, because my mind goes both ways. I feel like they could either go real Torna and it's like, Here's the DLC. It's set 500 years before three. Yeah. Find out what happened to, to the cast of two yeah. or one. You know, oh, that could be crazy. Or it, like you said, it could be a weird prologue thing or an yeah. epilogue thing, even, you know, or, you know, where it's like, okay, maybe you see different futures or maybe an alternate future from the ending we get, possibly. So there's some interesting possibilities i think three brings up just you know even for doing a dlc campaign yeah after it i think there will be one personally yeah i think there's gonna be an expansion and yeah like the most interesting part to me isn't even like where the story is gonna go in three it's what happened to get us to point one in three like what happened because i I, you know i got very invested in xenoblade chronicles one and two and i want to know like that gap period of what happened um yeah yeah because Uh, man there's that's that's the thing is like you really like the characters in both games like definitive kind of showed me a little bit about how shulk focused xenoblade one was like that i forgot i forgot like how inconsequential everyone in that party was to the overall plot except shulk um maybe fiora but like i kind of forgot about that a little bit but i still like the characters a lot you can't have a rainbow without ryan um (laughs) so and I really like that, and I really like too. So I'm, 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 I'm actually, I'm really digging the sort of conflict, you know, that Monosoft brought up. I kind of, I kind of wish other Nintendo franchises would do similar things, you know, playing this very long game of building up, hmm. you know, storylines and characters game by game without telling you that it's going to be, you know in conflict in the future and it kind of a little bit reminds me and i i don't know i don't know if you've ever spoken to him but like um arlo had a had a really funny reaction to the trailer he's just like you guys get everything from monosoft and it's like it's kind of true and that's why i really love the company because they really seem to care about the legacy and what they're building towards and, and it's like arlo kind of said just like it feels like nintendo has these other franchises where it's like if they don't sell it like super amazing, they're like, yeah, we'll get around to a sequel in like 15 years. <laughs> like, well, maybe, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like where, you know, I, I feel bad for the Pikmin fans. Like, yeah, where is your Pikmin for? I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah, yeah th- that is kind of the thing that is like, we are in a sort of like, we're eating good. Uh, and you know, I'm not taking that for granted. I'm like, I'm really excited yeah. by what they're doing because I love the fact that they planned this out. They didn't tell you whether they were doing it at all, but they're like, no, we sat down and thought, okay, we made some success off Xenoblade One. And it's let's a- plan out a series where it's gonna go from the get-go, you know, and 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 not just have it just, you know, we'll, like every every game is possibly our last game kind of thing. 
Yeah, and it's amazing because <laughs> one was not always a sure thing outside of uh, Japan for the longest time. It's uh, yeah, to, to how far to... it has come from uh, how? The, the, the days of is it getting localized to now it is uh, this long game they've been building up to to this potential huge payoff. And uh, it's really nice that? to see. Like It's very earned from Monolith Soft with how much and, they've and done. And the thing is, that brings up a good point. Like a lot of companies, like Nintendo's biggest sellers are like 30 million, 20 million. Xenoblade's never going to be that, but it's allowed to continue with the vision that Monolith Soft has. Not with um, that attitude. <laughs> to, to satiate the fans. <laughs> Obviously, I wanted to sell 20 million units, but, um, you know, the, the, the truth is, like, it's nowhere near Nintendo's top 10 bestsellers, but, you know, Nintendo allows Monolith Soft, yes, you know, they have to help on Zelda and other franchises, but they're allowed to kind of do their own thing that's like xenoblade games are very unlike other nintendo properties um yeah and i feel that's very important for yeah. nintendo and awada i think knew that too it's good to have that diversity even if they're not selling 10 million copies each yeah yeah and, and many and you know in nintendo's past and many companies now if the game doesn't sell a certain threshold they'll just drop it even if they had plans for a sequel um, and Xenoblade 2 sold what two million units over 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 two million units. Not, over two, we don't know what it yeah, is up to now. We just it's just not, over two. Yeah, not an enormous amount, but it, I don't. I think it made profit. Um, I think it did fine. Many other studios might have been like, you know what, let's do something else. But I'm glad that you know we've been able to get to this point. Yeah, it's definitely definitely earned, and we will very likely see at some point in the next few months. Um, more information about Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and whether or not some of these uh, these ideas and theories that you and others have shared online, whether they will come to fruition. Um, also, very likely, we're just going to get like the first look at the battle system at some point. Uh, I'm just expecting sometime in the summer to get, uh, sometime summer onward to get uh, a more focused look on Xenoblade Chronicles 3 um, since there Tree, won't be any events. Treehouse Live, probably. Treehouse is coming yeah, at E3 time. It's coming. Well, around that time, what yeah. would be. For and, sure. And, and one thing that Nintendo, and we didn't talk about this, one thing that Nintendo Life reported is that Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was rated in Australia. So I don't think it's going to get delayed. We didn't talk about that. Like, uh, yeah. I, I told Mike about that earlier, actually, yeah. Uh, which, yeah, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um it has something in its rating system, which, okay, it's been rated already in Australia. That game's probably coming out in September. I think, yeah. first of all, it's already gone through a ratings board somewhere. It's, it's, it's kind of like done. But yes, there's, there's strong, strong themes, adult themes, strong violence, uh, mild nudity, which 2 had as well. And what 2 didn't have that 3 has is very mild sex as it's called. Now, Xeno Gears and Xeno Saga both had not, they're not erotic, they're not played up for, for, for titillation or anything, but they did have implied sex scenes in Xeno Gears and Xeno Saga. I'm guessing 3 probably has something like that at some point. And they're all adults, they're all 18 and 19 years old. So if it is anyone in the main cast, they're all adults. Um, but my guess is that it, it, it's it may not even be anyone from the main cast. It might just be like a flashback where they're just kind of like, you know, hey, here's this character, you know, met up with this. And then they had a child later on or something like led to this character, you know, like it, it's very mild. You know, it was not explicit. It was not strong, but it was very mild and it wasn't there for Xenoblade 2. 
uh, on the same ratings board. So I'm just like, okay, so they're just they're just going to imply some couple got together at some point. They're not. It's not going to be explicit. It's not going to be showy or anything. I, I expect it'll be handled much like Gears and Saga, where it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, hey, you see characters wake up in the same bed. Yeah. You figure out the rest. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will definitely see. Um, but uh, thank you both of you for uh, for joining me and uh, sharing all of your uh, your insight into three and the the general Zeno series. Um, I imagine <laughs> once we get that direct that covers this more, we might be back for for seconds for that uh, for 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 sure. But yeah, th- thank you so much. Um, thank you to all of our patrons who submitted questions for this episode. Um, if you're a five dollar up patron, uh, you can submit questions for consideration for friend code. Um, I'll make that post the week we are recording, so be on the lookout for that. Also, have some shout-outs for the month of February 2022. These are our biggest tier patrons. So, shout-outs to Elthanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, Nick, and Raymond Wheeler III. Shout-out. Thank you so much. Um, and before we sign off here, uh, Simmons, uh, for our listeners and viewers, if they want to follow you for more of your, uh, your insight and uh, your other content, where can they check you out? Uh, I, I, every Monday I stream a monolith soft game. I have monolith soft Mondays and I'll be going into the Xeno legacy, playing every game chronologically going forward. Uh, not the DS one and not Pied Piper for all you or Xeno saga freaks, uh, <laughs> you know, for anyone who's that in depth into Xeno saga, but yes, at twitch.tv slash assist me doom. Um, that's where I monolith, I, I stream, I'm a variety streamer, but you know, that's where you can find, but every, every Monday playing a monolith soft game been doing it for a couple of years now and then uh youtube you can check me out at youtube.com slash yo video games which is mostly an archival channel but you know you'll get my reactions and thoughts there too on xenoblade it's nice and uh thank you Stell, for joining us as well and uh for everyone else until next time may the way of the hero lead to the triforce 